0: How about this one? Yeah. You guys want beers? Ooh, nice cat. Where'd you get it? Leavenworth. You?
1: Meadow Hills Galleria. I don't think I've ever seen you guys around here before. Yeah. Hey, old hog, yeah. Nothing me name your little gang. It's not a gang. We're just friends riding from Cincinnati to the coast. Hey man. We in your seats. No. No, cuz we No, 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 no. We were No, no, no. No. I insist. Sit. Sit. I insist. I think I'm going to join you fellas. Actually,
0: we have a you know,
1: this journal
0: make ourselves some nice new little friends nice patch
1: you get your grandmother to needlepoint that for you well what, what's what's going on with you there uh, Cochise, what's your story well, what is that supposed to be is he fine He or... it was when he walked in here Harry, I'm talking to you you hear me he can hear fine Look, we're, we don't want any trouble. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to the most.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're looking forward to. I heard it.
2: Hey, I heard
0: it. Shut up. Hi. Ah.
1: You looking for trouble? You gotta be careful about Bobby here. His temper's like a Roman candle. Yeah. Woody over here, you get a man, people get broke. Doug makes kids cry. What? Yeah, you make kids cry. You made my child cry? Your kid was crying before she got to me. Oh, yeah, but i asked you to give her a lollipop.
0: It calms her down. You now. can't get All right, lollipop. shut up!
1: You know what? Uh, I think we better get out of here. No, we'll get out of here at sundown. After we've had our beverage, sundown, Hoss. What? These are on me.
0: You got the mocha lattes yesterday.
1: Ah, uh, hey, brother. And then a wild hog.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep, a Rooney. That's our gang. Uh, hey, uh, who owns that
2: wild hogs? decide that uh, their lives are pretty boring, and so they decide to go from Cincinnati to the West Coast because they need to find themselves and uh, regain some of the adventure in life. And not long into the trip, they run into real bikers, and they uh, find a bully who who says they aren't worthy to be bikers. Now, we haven't run into this yet in our little uh, biker gang Um, The New Life Community Church uh, writers, we hadn't run into that yet, but it's probably going to happen one day. So we've got a We've got a choice to make. You have a choice to make. I have a choice to make whenever we face bullies and that it's the same choice that that all of us have. And that is, do we run or do we fight? It's the fight or flight thing, you know, because I remember this when I was a kid. I remember i talking about adrenaline and talking about when bullies come up next to you and all of that stuff. And, and it, smart people know when to stay and when to go, right? And so this is probably one when they should have run. They didn't run. And so it's this whole fight or flight thing. So, if you remember, some of you were here last week. If not, you can get you can either go on iTunes or go on our website or get the uh, CD out here. Last week, I talked to you about the children of Israel and what happened. These are the favored, chosen people of God. They come out of Egypt. Um, Moses leads them to the Promised Land. They don't get to go in the Promised Land. Then, finally, they do all of their wandering... Forty years later, Joshua becomes the leader. Joshua leads them into the promised land. All kinds of miraculous things happen. Rivers dry up. They walk across on dry dry ground. Jericho, the walls fall down. All of these miraculous things happen. They move into all of their places. There's 12 tribes in Israel and they all have an allotment of land chosen by God, given to them by God. They had to work for it, but God provided all this great stuff. End of Joshua's life. Joshua says, y'all need to make a choice. Are you going to serve God or serve others? Lowercase g. And, and Joshua said, let me just tell you, before you make your choice, whether you follow the real God or not, me and my family, we're following God. He draws a line in the sand. All the people said, oh, we're going to follow God. We promise we're going to follow God. Joshua actually says, no, you won't. You're not going to be able to do it. Oh, no, we will follow God. And he said, let this be a covenant today. Make a covenant. We're making a covenant with God. So the end of Joshua's life, Bible says that he dies, and uh, it says that as long As Joshua was alive, or the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the works of God and remembered all his mighty deeds, as long as they were alive, the people followed God. But then you get to the book of Judges. And the book of Judges says there's this generation that rose up after them who did not acknowledge God nor remember his deeds. And then at the end of Judges, one of the worst verses in the Bible for the history of Israel, it says there was no king in those days, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So, you got this horrible stuff going on, and and then the people start begging, Please give us a king. We want a king. And and Samuel was the prophet at this time. Samuel was the leader. He was a judge and a prophet. And you got two books that he's written, 1st and 2nd Samuel. Samuel is the leader, and Samuel is a man after God's own heart. Samuel says, No, do not reject God as your king. And and now you got to understand God had prepared them for a king from the beginning of time. We know from prophecy that there was going to be a king. And it was going to lead up to Jesus being the ultimate king. But the way they went about it is what got them in trouble. They said, we want to be like the other nations. Anytime you want to be like people who are not God followers, you're in trouble. They said, we want to be like the other nations. And God says to Samuel, he said, Samuel, they're not rejecting your leadership. They're rejecting me as their king. God said, it's okay, but I want you to tell them. Some bad stuff is going to happen because they've rejected me as king. And he starts listing all these things. You know, you're, the, he, the king will be able to take all of your children if he wants to. He can make them slaves or he can conscript them to fight in the, uh, in the battles as soldiers. He can take your taxes. He can take your land. And like, we don't care. We want to be like the other people. And so they choose a king. And, and look what, what they describe Saul. Saul is from the family of Benjamin, which is one of the 12 tribes. And his dad is rich. Look what it says in 1 Samuel 9, 2. Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. So if you were going to have a contest, a man's man contest, kind of a beauty contest for men, he would win unanimously. Not only that, he was a foot, a head and shoulders taller than everyone else. So it would be real easy to pick out this guy. He was rich. He was good looking. He was bigger, stronger, faster than anyone else in the land. They made him king and everything was going to be great, right? Because you got the perfect looking king. Everything was going to be great, right? First Samuel 17, the Philistines, oh, those Philistines, bad news. Philistines now mustered their army for battle. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. Now, listen to the description of this dude. He was over nine feet tall, and, and the, the manuscripts indicate that he was nine feet, nine inches tall. Dude was three inches short of ten feet tall. He's a basketball goal tall. All right? Now, he wasn't some stick. I, some of y'all remember Manute Bol, who played in the... No, he wasn't Manute Bol. This dude, look at this. He was over nine feet tall. He wore, he wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail, the coat of armor that he wore, was bigger than most children. Weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. I've started going to body pump with Janie. And one of the things, if you ever go to body pump, dudes, start small. Because you do 8 million repetitions. And there will be chicks in there, I'm telling you, there will be chicks in there doing stuff, and you're going, oh, I can do it, if that girl can do it, I can do it. You cannot do it. Mm -mm. And so Janie had scared me to death. For I I worked out for three weeks before I went in with Janie because I was scared. Because she's like, "You got to start small. So you put these little nuggets on the end of your bar. You got this bar, you know, and you're going, and, and everybody, you know, nobody's looking at you, but you feel like everybody's looking at you, type deal." Well, I've been going for a while, and I've been increasing my weight and just, you know, trying to do too much and, and hurting myself and all that. The other day, all the, all the weights were gone, and I picked up 10-pound things to do these shoulder raise deals. Okay, I'm getting to the point, because 15 pounds for his spear, the tip of his spear. I'm doing these 10-pound things, and you have to do all of this stuff and all this stuff. And this one where you do this. And man, this song's going on, and I'm going... Goliath has a spear that he's going to chunk at you that weighs more than my little dumbbell weights that I couldn't lift up, all right? I just want you to get how bad this dude was. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. I can't imagine. The armor bearer must be massive. How are you going to have a shield big enough for Goliath, you know, with some midget carrying it? Let me cover your kneecap, Goliath. No, you got to have a big dude, big old shield. Uh, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across To the Israelites. Why are you coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. He is he is insulting them. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. All right. First point that you got to realize from this. Don't be fooled by appearances. Okay, remember, we're supposed to have... God designed us with this fight-or-flight mentality. We're supposed to know when to stay, when to go. God designed that, you know, the whole adrenaline thing. When you're scared, you're either going to defend your position or you're going to run faster than you normally would because you've got the adrenaline flowing. Now, in our movie, one would think that all is required to be a biker is to own a bike, right? I mean, that's all I did. I want to be a biker, so I bought a bike. But... They they come across these bullies who say, you're not real bikers. We're going to take your bike. We want you to go home. And so the guys are like, okay, you're bigger, you're badder, you're tougher than we are. And so they run away. Now, in the Bible, who was the most logical person to fight Goliath? From what I described to you, the biggest, baddest, most handsome dude in Israel was whom? Saul. And what position did he have? He was the king. So if you're a soldier, you're a follower, who are you thinking should fight Saul? The leader. But he was hiding. Now you need to know that by this point in his life, God had already rejected Saul as king. He had already chosen David to be the next king. Now, several years, a lot of years go on before David actually takes the throne. But God had already told Samuel, the judge, the prophet, he said, I've rejected him. Quit mourning over Saul. Quit crying over Saul. I have rejected him. And the children of Israel are going to suffer the consequences because Saul is not following me. And so he chooses David to be king. And David is the youngest of eight kids. And and um when... when uh, When Jesse, uh, when, when Samuel goes to Jesse, who is David's dad, he says, I need to anoint one of your sons king. God didn't tell Samuel which one. And so Jesse has eight sons. And back then, back then, you were rich, man. You had sons. That, that was awesome. Eight sons. So they bring all of them in. The first one is named Eliab. And he is like a Saul. He is very handsome. He's very studly. And Samuel thinks, the Bible tells us what Samuel thinks. Samuel thinks, surely this is God's anointed. And God says, do not look at the outward appearance. Don't be fooled by appearances. I have rejected him as king. So he brings seven of the sons in front of him. And and Samuel's like, "Nope, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one. He goes, are we done? Because none of your sons are going to be king. He said, well, I got one, but he's a kid. He's a boy. He's out watching the sheep. And he said, bring him. And as soon as he brought him in front of him, God says, I choose him. So God says, do not be fooled by outward appearances. Which one are you going to choose? And God says, I choose the one whose heart follows me. Now, how did the wild hogs handle the bully? Well, here we go. Let's watch what they did.
1: I'm not going to let this happen to him.
2: I say we go back and we get his bike. You? Yeah. Well, who
1: died and elected you, Pope? This isn't about Dudley, is it? This is about you. You, you, you all through high school. It's always been about you, and I am sick of it. Oh, screw you, Doug. You know, it's not my fault you hate your life. I love my life. Why uh, uh, do you know. No, 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 let me tell you something. This trip was supposed to be about adventure, but no. You're too busy dragging your baggage around to let that happen. Thank you, Dr. Freud. Look, I'm not going back to get that bike to satisfy your bruised ego. Are you guys with me? I'm with you. Yeah, I agree. There you go, Woody. We're not going back there with you. Should we go after him? Probably. Are we going to? Nope. oh man thank you how'd you do it okay they were totally pissed off so i'd take an attack reality so i said to them okay assault us no problem because we may not be real bikers but we know real lawyers and as soon as you touch us we'll sue you for everything you got and everything you're gonna have and they backed down they totally backed down it was awesome you really said that yeah my man. Yeah. Show so me love. Show me love. Hey, guess what? The trip's back on. He's back on, right? yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, yes, wait, we're going to go back that way then? Yeah, they don't care. You should just, you know, do it before they change their minds. Pacific Ocean, here we come. Woo!
2: Now, who was Woody trying to impress there? His friends. Did he tell them the truth? No, his solution was to sneak up, cut the gas lines, come back with his friend's bike. Now, we. We might actually do that if we got in trouble. I'd send Chad to go fight and I would cut the gas lines and I'd run off with the bike. Cause Chad's Big Rock, that's his, uh, his nickname. But, but when you, when you sneak around and do things the way he did it, does that make the problem better or worse? Because in their situation, now the Del Fuego's didn't want to just beat them up, they wanted to kill them. Because you know what happens, he blows up the bar. It, it accidentally blows up, but they blame them that it, it that the bar gets blown up. And taking the easy way out. Here's the second thing don't settle for the easy way out. Because when you take the easy way out, it's rarely, listen to me, it's rarely God's will. God's not interested in your comfort, He's interested in your character, and your character is developed as you go through difficult situations. So very many times, the hard way is the way that God wants you to go. Read the Old Testament. Rarely, even when he took them out of uh, Egypt, he said God didn't send them by the, the highway. There was a big highway, the King's Highway back then, that would have been a very easy, like one or two day trip from Egypt all the way up to the Promised Land. God didn't take them that way, and the Bible says, because they would have encountered some enemies, some foes, some bullies that would have frightened them, and they may have turned around and gone back to Egypt. So instead, he sent them on the roundabout way, and man, if you look about it, if if you trace it on a map, they're going all over the place for forty years before they finally get to the promised land. Before they can trust God, so when we when we take the easy way out, many times we're being disobedient to God. And see, here's the thing: we get confused about when we should run and when when we should stay. Many times God is calling us to stand and fight for our family. Stand and fight for what's right. Stand and fight for integrity, for honor. But you know when we usually stand and stay in in a situation? When we shouldn't. When there's temptation. When we're someplace we shouldn't be. When there's sexual stuff going on. We tend to think, oh, I can handle it. No, you can't. That's when you need to run. Read the scripture. Joseph fled when Potiphar's wife threw himself at her day after day. He ran. He ran out of the house in his skivvies. This is what the Bible says. To get away from it. He said, I am not going to sin against God. He ran. In the New Testament it says, flee from sexual sin so you run. But we think we're so tough we can stand. And and when we stay near temptation, we're eventually going to give in to temptation. Just like the fish. You throw the right thing in front of that fish, that fish is finally going to snatch at that bait. And that's what Satan does. He puts bait in front of you to try to take you down. So we've got to figure out when it's right to run and when it's right to stay. Now, in our Bible story, how did Saul handle the bully? 1 Samuel 17, 16. For 40 days, I'm sorry, it's just funny to me, that big bad Saul. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army army. And, and let me just ask you did procrastination help? A month and ten days, this big dude comes out and taunts the Israelites. Did procrastination help the situation? Now, Saul didn't do exactly nothing. Uh, he was doing something in the background. If you skip down to verse 24, as soon as an Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Why did they run in fright? Because their king ran away in fright. The biggest, baddest dude was scared. And they said, have you seen the giant the man has he comes out each day to defy israel the king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him he will give that man one of his daughters for a wife and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes now i don't know what the what the daughter looked like so i don't know about the daughter thing but not paying taxes sign me up i mean that sounds good to me and if she's a good-looking woman then that's just bonus right So surely somebody's going to stand up. Saul should have been the one who stood up. He didn't stand up. He's hiding. And he tries to bribe someone else to do his job. This seems like a pretty sweet deal to me. But no one stepped up. But because the leader was not following God, the followers were not following God. And so it cost them dearly. Now, the next thing I want you to realize from this whole story is don't try to prove yourself to others. We do this all the time. It's what Woody was doing. He was trying to look bad, tough in front of his friends, and he was lying to him, and it got him in trouble. And probably it's going to happen to you too. When you try to look good in the eyes of your friends, instead instead of trying to look good in the eyes of God, it will cost you. Now, what, what do fighting men do when they're not fighting? What do soldiers do when they're not in a battle? When they're bored, what do they do? Drink. Or get in trouble. They go and they pursue things that do not advance the cause of their country. Is that a fair statement? Because soldiers are trained to fight. And when there's no war and when they're bored, they're going to do stuff. Well, here's what happens when these men get bored.
1: So what brings you boys on this trip anyway? Well, firstly, we had to get away, okay? And secondly, you know, you just never know how many more summers you've got left. Do you? Wow. That's deep. I just came on this trip, you know, hoping to reclaim the old Doug, you know? You know, I know exactly what you mean. You know, you can never let life get too stagnant or too safe. Every now and then you gotta do what we folks around here like to call slap the bull. What's slapping the bull? That's just a little game we play to make sure your life is not controlled by fear. Yeah, I wanna do that. Oh, come on, guys, we're exhausted. I think we should just put the bikes in back of the hotel in a shed with the doors closed, perhaps, and then play Scrabble in the, in the room with the, with the shades down. Look, empty. maybe we want to do something else here in, in Mayberry. <laughs> hey, Bob, how about a little bull slap? It sounds like something I could win at. Yeah. I, I'll take a little bull slap. Yeah, look, bull slap for everybody. Come on. <laughs> Light them up. Let's have a little bull slap. <laughs> we'll do it. So literally, we're going to slap a bull. And then you're gonna to want to hightail it out of there. Why? Because he can kill you. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Hey, man, I thought this was a drinking game. Yeah, you know, yeah, A lot of animals I would slap, but I, you know, chicken, I'd slap a chicken or a goat maybe, a ferret I'd slap, you know. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna slap a bull. Oh, come on, Doug, it's your idea. Get in there. Come on. It's not safe, Woody. Oh, it's not safe. You know what? You snooze, you lose. I'm going. You getting ready to do that? Yep. Oh. <laughs> he
0: looks confident. Easy. <laughs> Who's
1: next? Doug? Doug? Yeah, no, that'd be you. Yeah. Come on, Doug, do it. You know, they could. That's really an um, Doug. Go. Come on, man. Handle your business. It's easy. I'm not gonna. Yeah, come on, it's fun. <laughs> old days, Doug, old days. All right, all right, slap a ball. I'm, gonna... I'm gonna slap that ball. Yeah. Right there we go. Ah. Slap it right there in the rear end, huh?
0: Right on the hind, haunches.
1: <sighs> you know, this is so good for Kelly. Actually, this is good for all of us. Yeah. Hey, Charlie, thanks for bringing us here, man. Jerk. Glad we could help.
0: Yeah, and we never seen it done twice in a row. What? I- it'll be interesting to see how the bull takes being slapped mm-hmm. now that he's alert. Mm-hmm.
1: Alert. alert? <laughs>
2: Isn't that just like a group of friends? You go ahead and slap the bull and I'll be over here cheering you. I've, I've been out to the river run, you know, and we're like, yeah, man, go ahead. You go over that cliff or you go in that stuff. I'll watch you and I'll cheer you on. And if you fall, I'll pick you up. Go ahead. That's what friends do, right? These guys decide to slap a bull on the hind haunches to prove that they're not controlled. I like that. He goes, a little game we play to prove that you're not controlled by fear. <laughs> these guys got to get this straight these guys are away from their homes they're away from their families they're away from their jobs and they're going to slap a bull to prove that they're men doesn't make a lot of sense they're trying to find themselves well let, let me let me offer just a little suggestion to you men maybe you should find yourself before you commit your life to a woman Maybe when you stand in front of God and witnesses and you say, I do, maybe you should think about it first. Because you're making a promise to God and to this woman that you're going to be the leader of the home. And, and she's betting her future and your family's future and your children's future on you being a man of your word. Maybe you should think through that first. Because when you don't lead, your family drifts. Somebody's got to steer the ship when uh, when Joseph Maldonado was little. They were riding in the van and and Alex had always taught him that mama's in charge and daddy's in charge and and mama's in charge and daddy's in charge. And one time they're driving down the road and Joe goes, "Uh, Dad. Mom's in charge, right? Yeah, Joe. And you're in charge, too, right? He goes, yeah, Joe. And Joe goes. How can there be two people in charge? How can there be two, you know, he's thinking kids are already thinking there's a spiritual leader and it doesn't mean that you lord it over them. You love your wife like Christ loved the church and women will follow. I don't know if you're catching this, but the more I'm in church work, the more I realize that a godly man, a woman will follow. It's the ungodly ones that they struggle to follow. And so we've got to find ourselves before we get in a committed relationship. Well, back to our Bible story, Israel is being led by a king who's rejected by God. In our Bible battle, I use that term loosely, has been going on for 40 days. Now imagine you're a parent back home. I remember the, the draft. My brothers are older than me. And I remember the Vietnam draft. And I remember opening up the paper to see if my brothers had been drafted into the war way back when. And I remember mom really just sweating it that, that her, her boys were going to be. I was too young. She wasn't worried about me. But she was worried about my older brothers. Whether they were going to get drafted and, and go to the war. And, and man, there's just stuff that was going on. It was very trying time. Imagine you're the parent and, and you've got a son in battle. Would you be worried about what's going on in battle? Jesse had three sons in battle. Do you think he was concerned about what was going on? So he calls David, his youngest, and he gives him all these supplies. He says, go check on your brothers and, and bring back word of the battle. Don't you know Jesse was going, nothing's happened in 40 days? Well, what, what's Saul doing? Where's he leading our men? Well, he's leading our men to do nothing. And nothing had been accomplished except that God's chosen people, the Israelites, were a laughingstock among the nations. Because you know they were saying, where's your God now? In fact, Goliath was was taunting them. Who's your God? And see, back then, if your God helped you win in war, then then everybody heard about your God. And everybody had heard about Israel's God. Everyone knew about the Red Sea. They knew about Pharaoh's army being destroyed without even a battle. They knew about the, the, the Jordan River being dried up and walking across. They knew about Jericho. They knew about all this stuff. Where's their God now? The leader was not leading and so everyone was hiding. And here's the principle. When you don't fight the battles that God has called you to fight, he will find someone else to fight in your place. He will bypass you. And in this instance, God sends a boy to do a man's job. 1 Samuel seventeen twenty six. David is already up there and he's asking, he's given the, the supplies and he says, ask the soldiers nearby, what will, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending... His defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he has allowed to defy the armies of the living God? A boy stands up. Because he's young at this time. And the men gave David the same reply, which was, no taxes and he'll give you the daughter. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, remember Eliab, big dude, strong dude, handsome dude, probably like second. He should be second in command in the kingdom if you go by outward appearances. Eliab says, Eliab says, Heard David talking to the men. He was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? He demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know you're pride and deceit just like an older brother. I know you, you punk. You're just curious about the battle. Who's doing your job? Well, he didn't say this. While we're up here not doing ours. He said, you're full of pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. And, And David, David is only obeying his father. He's like, what have I done? I was only asking a question. He walked over to some other soldiers and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Because when you're a stupid king who's been rejected by God and you're not following God, you'll let a boy do a man's job. He calls David in. David says, I'll kill him. And Saul says, okay. Wow. David's love and zeal for God caused him to look to God and not to the obstacle in front of him. Saul had been rejected by God, and his fear caused him to see Goliath and not God. Our perspective is jacked up. Well, in our movie, the least likely guy stands up to fight the Del Fuego's, and he does it for love. Watch this. Hey, Maggie.
1: Thanks for letting us hide out in your house Yeah, thanks
0: It's kind of hard not to when you're screaming and kicking down the door
1: hey. You okay?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah Diner's the only thing I have if that gets destroyed is... But you're safe You guys are safe
1: Now just stay put Nobody has to go out there and be a hero You got that right You guys aren't going out there? You're the sheriff, why don't you go out there? Like sheriff of a town of 500 people, I got my qualification from a course on the internet. For arms training, they just told us to play Doom. I say we just wait it out, they'll lose interest, and they'll
0: go. Yeah, I agree. Wait it out. Hey, where's Dudley?
1: Oh, Dudley, don't do that. Hey! Let's end this At least one of you came out to face the music Very brave But stupid I didn't come to face any music
0: I came here to stop you fellas From hurting this diner Which the love of my life just happens to own so it's got to get ugly,
1: I'll give you ugly. Slipped <laughs> <laughs> out of my glove. Hey, is it okay if I tell people you guys did that? I, I should be getting back. It's late. Uh, the guys are going to be worrying.
0: We're, we're Gosh. guys,
1: no, no. You don't get to hide out here with us. You get to hide out outside with those crazy people that want to kill us. You got Dudley, Look out the window. Ah, Jesus, what's to happen, wild hogs? You're going to pay a disobedience fee of $10,000 plus another 40000 to rebuild the bar. If you want to see your friends alive again, do not call the cops. If you're not here in a half an hour to settle this... I'm going to take the fight out on your friend's legs. I'm going to break them with this tire iron. Don't bring the money. I'm a computer programmer. I don't need my legs. Fine. I'll break his hands.
2: Bring the money. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Definitely bring money
0: now. We need money.
2: That's my favorite line. Definitely bring the money now. We need money. oh, it's a funny scene, when Dudley's actions reveal how he feels about the girl. And and in our Bible story, David's actions reveal how he feels about his God. So I guess my fourth point then is, is very straightforward. You need to decide you're going to please God, not your friends, not your boss. You're going to... You're going to please God. Because Saul tries to talk David out of going. And then he says, okay, if you're going to go, at least put on my armor. So Saul's a boy. And, and I mean, David's a boy. And Saul's big. And so he puts on the armor. He can't even walk. He can't raise the sword. You know, all of that stuff. Tries to talk him out of it. David's like, no, no, no. God and I are enough. And so David's actions. What happened that day was David wins the battle. And all of the Israelites see a boy following God. And they rally around him. And they completely destroy The army of the Philistines. Goliath dead. They chase him. They kill him. Come back and everybody sings the praises of David. David kills 10,000. They sing songs about David because he's this mighty warrior. He's a boy doing a man's job. And his actions that day actually kicked the whole nation in the rear. And so what I hope is that maybe David's actions will kick our church in the rear, and help us realize some things. Let me give you some lessons for when life gets tough. Number one, fleeing is not an option. Saul's greatest joy was the day he became king. It was also his greatest challenge. There are several big days in your life. The day you graduate, first full-time job, wedding day, the birth of a child. On those days, most of the time, we're filled with joy because we think it's going to be awesome. And it is, but it's also very, very difficult And so, guys, if your marriage is difficult, if your job is difficult, if your children are difficult, blah, 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 God didn't call you to run. God called you to stay. Second thing, doing nothing is not an option. Now, Saul's army, they didn't run away, but for 40 days, they also didn't do their job, they did nothing. And so doing nothing is not an option. Nobody stepped forward. It's not enough just to be in your home. It's not enough to be dad in name only and not dad in relationship. Men, you're supposed to lead your homes. David had already experienced God's power throughout his life. He'd killed a bear. God helped him kill a bear. God helped him kill a lion. when who was a, They were attacking the sheep. And, and back then, if you lost a sheep, you could lose your life. And so he said... This stinking Philistine is going to be like one of those. God has delivered me before. God will deliver me again. God is bigger than our situation in front of us. So David stood up and God blessed him for it. And I was at a funeral on on uh, Friday and the pastor read this verse. And, and I, I stuck this in because this goes here. Proverbs 22.1, he said, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. This pastor stood up and he talked about this man that, that, that I know and, and I was there for his funeral and he talked about his name, his character. And one of the things he used to tell his children, he's got three sons, one of the things he used to say was, do not bring shame on my name. And everybody that was there, the pastor would say, this man had a good name. People nod their heads and he'd tell a story and people nod their heads. He was kind of like a pillar in, in this community and he had a good name. Well, here's what I want to ask you. Of the people in our Bible story, who had the good name after this situation was over? David. Who had a bad name? Saul. And all of his followers, all of his soldiers? David has a good name. Saul doesn't. And everyone else. Who got the girl? Who got the gold? David. And I'm just going to tell you, men. Follow God. You'll get a godly girl. Follow God, and, and I'm not saying you're going to be rich, but I promise you your needs will be provided for. It's real simple formula. The enemy of God is after your home, men, and he's going to attack your wife, he's going to attack your children, anything he can to get to you. What I want to, what I want to challenge you today is let's not open up the door and allow the enemy just to walk in. You know how we do that? We open up the door and allow the enemy to come in when we don't take our God-given responsibility to stand and protect our family and lead them towards Christ and be the men God wants us to be. How many of you would agree that there's a shortage of God-honoring men in our country today? Let me see your hands. It's almost unanimous. Where are the godly men? I think they're hiding because life's hard. Number three, here's here's really what it boils down to. Life lessons when it gets hard. Obey God. Because here's the thing. I think that in many instances, God's will is through that obstacle. Would you say God did great things in David's life because he went and defeated the giant? Yes. In fact, That was one of the major things that that propelled now it was years But it propelled the hearts of the people to follow david as king when he became king later Because the nation was split apart. I mean there was a bunch of bad stuff that went on But when david became king people started noticing they're going god is with him god is with him And they finally rally around david and they say god is with you. We will follow you anywhere We'll do anything you tell us to do His name was great because he obeyed god And so I think that God didn't mess up by bringing you to Palestine. God didn't mess up by bringing you here today. He has a job for you to do. And when you face those obstacles, it won't be easy. God doesn't want you to do things that you can do because then you get the glory. God wants you and me to do things that only He can do because then everyone goes, What a great God you serve. John and I were talking about this this morning. That we want to be a part of a church where God does stuff so great they're like, Y'all, y'all couldn't have done that. No way. You you serve a great God. When they defeated the Philistines, there was no earthly way they should have defeated them. Except that they had God. So when when, when you're on God's side, you can do anything God can do. So we need some men who will stand up and obey. Now, i got to mention one more thing. David was a man after God's own heart. David did what he should do. And then years later, David had his Bathsheba moment. And and if you read the story, it says at the time of year when kings go out to war, David stayed home. See, he stayed where he shouldn't have stayed. And he walked around on the roof and he looked over and he saw Bathsheba and she was hot. That's what the Bible says. And he desired her. And because he was king, he took her. Got her pregnant. Had her husband killed. As judgment upon him and upon the nation, the baby died. All because David went from this guy who followed God with all of his heart to this guy who stayed where he shouldn't have stayed. He should have fled. So men, we got to learn when it's right to flee, when it's right to fight. I'm just going to tell you something. If it's sexual and it's not with your spouse, you should always run. Now, If it's sexual and it's with your spouse, live it up in the name of Jesus. God gave us sex, right? And it's supposed to be good in marriage. You will never be blessed by God if you disobey God's principles. Let's pray together. Father, it's really my heart that that we have men and women who get it, who understand that the Christian life is not this casual thing. It's an all or nothing deal. And so God, I just pray that that you'd light a fire under men who are supposed to stand up and lead their families. And for the women who are here who are single, God, give them blessing and grace and honor so that they can lead their families when when their husbands aren't. For those women who are single, I pray, God, that their heart would be captured by a man who is pursuing you wholeheartedly and for the men who are single that they would have a clue what it means to be a man you'd raise up a generation of men who serve you and follow you and we just pray all of this in your name amen we have three baskets at the back one is our joy basket church members regular attenders that's where we give our offering we have a registration card basket Fill that out. If you have prayer concerns, write that on the back because I pray over those during the week and we have a bagel basket. I think we're right at $107,000 that we have left to pay off of our debt and we're praying that God would help us get out of debt as quickly as possible so that we can do more in our uh, area and in our world and we believe God's going to do something crazy, something ridiculous and pay off that debt and prepare us for the future. We don't know exactly how that's going to happen but we believe God's going to do that. Um, and 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 so... I want to finish this service today with the song, Our God is Greater. Because David saw it. Before David ever got into battle, he was saying, Our God is greater, stronger, higher than any other. I don't know what you're facing today, but some of you feel like you're about to go under. The thing I want you to remember is, Our God is greater than anything you will ever face. So we're going to worship Him, this song, and then we're going to be dismissed. Be sure and put the stuff in the baskets. Let's stand.